that. But we're talking about going through the red letter words of Jesus, and that's what we're continuing on in this. This is the, the fourth of eight Beatitudes. And uh, the Beatitudes are really characteristics of what a, a kingdom person looks like. A kingdom believer, a believer in Jesus, but also learning to be uh, a follower of Jesus as our king, but also what his kingdom represents is allowing him to uh, rule and reign in our lives as well. We want you to be king of my life. What does a kingdom person look like? Well, these eight characteristics are some of them. It's not... uh, an exclusive list, but it really is uh, what Jesus identifies as an attitude or characteristic of a kingdom person. They're kind of like fruit or attributes of what a person becomes. These are what uh, are produced, the fruit, if you will, the fruit or evidence that you are a follower of Jesus. Uh, So we're going to look at this fourth one, which says, In Matthew 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's what we're going to talk about today. What does that look like? Uh, There's another couple of translations. I like to, if you're like me, I like to look at other translations to see how they uh, interpret it, the different wording of that. Uh, But One way to look at blessed also means to be happy. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So you will be uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness? It's uh, not that we have any righteousness of our own, but I'm seeking after God and he will produce righteousness in us. He will produce his right living in us. Now, that seems kind of weird. I I can't produce anything righteous in my own doings or religious things that I do for God. But he starts to show himself through me and you as well. Um, And so it's a hunger for more of God. It's a hunger for his presence. Do you have a hunger for God's presence? I love God's presence. I seek after it. I want it every day. I don't want to go a day without the hungering after the presence of God. That's really what this is about, hungering after more of God. The more you hunger after God, he will fill that need. He will move you there. You know, it says, just like that song, Gratitude, that we sang, I don't have much, but I I give you what I am. I give you all of me. I just... um, And you know what? God will take whatever you bring to him. He will take whatever that is. God will use that. You know what? Sometimes I I just come empty. And God certainly wants us to come empty. But he wants us to come hungry for more of him. I hunger for more of God. Other translations, the Message Bible interprets it this way. He says, you are blessed when you are when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He is food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. That's, kind of, that's a good way to look at it. You, I'm working up a good appetite for God. I, I want more of God. Uh, the P- Passion Translation, if you've ever read that, um, it says, 
How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be satisfied. You know, God is still drawing us to himself. God forever is drawing us to himself. He knows that we need him more than sometimes we know we need him. <laughs> He's drawing you to himself. And sometimes we, uh, we forget about that. Sometimes he's a, he becomes a last resort, but he wants to be the, our first, not our last resort. But seeking him, um, seeking after his presence, and some seek after it and receive it, and others are not interested. I'm just not interested, or they flat out reject God. Now, I've seen these things on social media, maybe you have too, where this guy goes around and he's videotaping people's reaction and he's going in stores or outside on the street somewhere and, he, and he, he's holding these $20 bills or a $50 bill and he goes, repeat one Bible verse for me and I'll give you this 50 bucks. Repeat, uh, uh, tell me a Bible verse and I'll give you this 20 bucks. And the majority of the people are going, not interested, leave me alone. I No, I don't want that. Just like you're turning down 20 bucks, you're turning down 50 bucks or whatever he's, he's offering. And uh, some people just flat out might know a Bible verse, but or they think this guy's a kook, but he truly just wants to hear someone repeat a Bible verse. And so you'll finally find someone to see, just say Jesus wept and get a 20 bucks. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. You know, that's all you need to say. But uh, some people just say, I'm not interested or they're put off by that. How dare he ask me that? Just like, they, they're not interested. Maybe you've been there yourself. Maybe that's you. I, I've been not interested in God. I've, I have, I'm not interested in that stuff. Well, there's also people that have, have lost something. They lost uh, the expectation. They lost the expectation. Um, you know, and what stopped that? What stopped that hunger for God in your life? It could be perhaps a, a hurt, you know, or even another Christian that hurt you, did something or said something, and you go, I don't want to have anything to do with those Christians because of that one person did that. And you know what? And I've apologized myself for, for ways that I've behaved or reacted at times. We all probably need to do that once in a while, apologize for the way that we've been, how we've represented or misrepresented God. But if you've lost something, you've lost that expectation, maybe it's time to stop using what happened in your past as an excuse for what you're not having in the present. What you tolerate in your thoughts will dominate. And God wants to dominate not only how you think, but also how you live. And it comes from the encounter brought about by the expectation that when I expect God to show up and when I encounter him, he will always be more than I expected. He will always show himself to be more than what we think in our head about God. What does hunger look like to you? Now, certainly in America, there's many places and many people, and, and perhaps some of you as well, that, 
have been hungry here in our own country. We hear about that. And, uh, but I would say the majority of people in America do not quite understand about hunger and thirst. Being hungry is not something uh, people experience um, like other, in other countries, for example. In other countries where they're poverty-stricken and they are literally starving to death. There's a difference in being hungry and starving to death, you know. And Mother Teresa, she once said about those in India, they are starving physically. But she said in America, the difference is that they are starving emotionally and spiritually. We all have a hunger inside of us, uh, but we just don't always call it that. We use phrases like, my life is so empty, or I'm so bored, I'm so depressed, something is missing in my life, or there must be more to life than this. You know, we say things like that. And even when things are going good, when things seem to be successful in life, there's this, still this gnawing inside of us that something is missing. And what is missing? What is missing in our life? The Holy Spirit, yeah. It's that void in our soul, in our spirit, that only God can fill that. Only what he can offer to you is life everlasting, of true source of life. That do you hunger for that? Now you might remember the, the old Rolling Stones song, uh, I think it's a theme song back written for this baby boomer generation. I can't get no satisfaction. You know, <laughs> that, that song that, you know what? There's so many people in our world that are unsatisfied, right? I am so unsatisfied. And the Bible tells us it's because we're looking in all the wrong places. That's what it tells us about. That Jesus wants us to know that we can be satisfied by him but why are so many unsatisfied in our world? Because they're looking in all the wrong places. I want to give you, before I give you how to be satisfied, what are the things that don't satisfy? First of all, you don't find lasting satisfaction in just pleasure. You don't find it in, in just always seeking after pleasure. Uh, you know, they, years ago, they used to build things to last, Right? They used to build things that, you know, uh, more solid. I saw uh, a short time ago, someone po advertised uh, a stove and a refrigerator from the 50s. You know, that greenish color, that green color. Uh, they were advertising this, and it still works if you like that color. You know, it still works. And the stove and refrigerator, uh, then I'm like, that is amazing. It still runs. It still works perfectly. And it was in immaculate condition. Yeah. Jill and I just bought another refrigerator. I think our other one lasted. We actually kept it going for probably uh, 12 years or something. But we, we finally outgrew that one. And so we, we went and got another one last week. But things don't last like that anymore, right? They just don't. They're not built to last. I think that refrigerator from the 50s probably has nuclear rods in it or something. But 
you know, so it's probably never going to go bad, but a bunch of asbestos and stuff like that, but <laughs> but it's still, it's built to last. And I think, I think the people got together, the, the, the builders of, of appliances and, and cars and stuff, they're going, if we keep making them to last, no one's ever going to buy a new one. So we got we to gotta have a, a time out on some of these things. So they will, they'll want something else. Uh, but the world will tell us, like the American dream, the American dream will make you happy, right? Or if I could just take that really nice vacation or go on a cruise or retire in luxury, um, if I just had more money or that house or car, or if I could just travel the world. You know, those pleasures. And they're not all bad. I like to go on vacations. I like to go uh, to other countries. I like to go to places, certainly. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm only seeking it to make me happy, then there's something wrong with that. Bible says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are never content. Solomon wrote that in Ecclesiastes 1.8. You know, Solomon was pretty much the richest and the, and the wisest man ever on the face of the earth, of history, right? But... He said that, we're never satisfied. Now, if you watch different ads on TV or different uh, places, you're always going to see this appeal to hunger for our happiness. There's always an, a, a lure or an appeal. The world doesn't want you to be satisfied, right? Doesn't want you to be satisfied. You always, they want you to hunger for more stuff. How many of you... You know, have that late night refrigerator raid, you know, just like I'm really hungry. And so you go to the refrigerator, open it up, and I don't know what I really want. I nibble that, you take a little bit of that, and, and then you go to bed, and uh, nothing really satisfied, nothing just create, nothing meets that desire. Or you, you close the door, you go back to bed, and then you're still, you're still hungry. I'm like, I don't know if I really satisfied my, my desire. But many people are that kind of that way in life. They just kind of nibble a little bit of this, nibble a little bit of that. They'll try anything, and they may even test the limits of things. You know, they might just live on the edge. I'm just going to live on the edge. I'm just going to uh, break the law a little bit, you know, try, try something else. And so they'll turn to a lot of other things to satisfy you know, it might be drugs, it might be alcohol, it might be relationships, one night stands. But the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, the pleasures of sin last only a short period of time. You know, there, there, there's some fun, if you will, with those pleasures of the world, but they're just not going to fill that void. So that's the first P. The second P is you don't find lasting satisfaction in performance either. Um, you know, I, I'm an access service person. I like to do different projects. I like to see them get done. I enjoy that. That's part of something I, I actually enjoy. I like getting a uh, project to completion. And, and there's 
there's some satisfaction in that, you know, hey, that feels good, you know, that feels great that I was able to get that done and, you know, find some uh, joy or satisfaction in that. But we're talking about lasting satisfaction. But uh, people like workaholics eventually learn this. It says in Ecclesiastes again, Ecclesiastes 2, 21, it says, What do people get for all their hard work? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief, and even at night they cannot rest. It's all utterly meaningless. <laughs> so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and find satisfaction in work. And then I realized that this pleasure is from the hand of God. So there's some pleasure in these things, but it's just not going to meet a lasting need. Rather than you see, I need God. I, need, I find greater pleasure in, in finding God. And there's this myth that success will produce satisfaction. And it will produce this ultimate happiness in my life. But that's just not true. There are many successful people that are very unsatisfied on the inside. And after the thrill of winning or the, the winning, you know, all these things, there comes... Well, I won that one. Now I just need to try again for the next time. I just keep on trying to win and win and win and win. And there's, there's nothing wrong with striving for excellence and working hard and, and winning. How many of you like to win? I like to win. Uh, how many of you like to lose? Anybody? <laughs> I don't know if anyone likes to lose, but we're always trying to win something. Uh, but what doesn't, surprise, what doesn't surprise me is that, you know, people like celebrities or, or professional athletes, they, they make millions and millions of dollars, have all kinds of material possessions, have the, uh, the you know, trophy wife or husband, you know, and you're just like, that's what provides happiness, you know. And then you hear about next year, or maybe even less than a year, they get divorced. You're going, what happened? They were the perfect role model or whatever. They were the perfect thing that we idolized, and, and they failed. How is that? How come they also turned to drugs and alcohol like, like anybody else? Why is that? Because they found that even the riches of this world doesn't satisfy them either. Or their performance, or or their things, you know, they got the uh, Academy Award or the Golden Globe Award, and they're just like, eh, or the Super Bowl, you know, they they won that. I was a little disappointed that the Detroit Lions didn't win last week. <laughs> I was a little disappointed, but yeah, <laughs> they, they were they were probably more disappointed than I was, but. Uh, but, you know, it seems like they have it all. Why do, they, why do they need something else to satisfy? Why do they need that other high in their life? Why do they need to take something and use something to artificially make them feel better, to perform better? Why is that? Again, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he says, Men are always working, but never satisfied. Hmm. 
The other P is, what else will you not find satisfaction? You won't find lasting satisfaction in just your possessions of what you get in life. Today, there are more products available than ever before, and they all say satisfaction guaranteed. <laughs> right? That's a good salesman. You know, satisfaction guaranteed, I promise you. It's only with the downturn of things like our economy and that people perhaps aren't spending like they used to, don't have the money that they used to, but some people are maybe learning a little bit about what matters most. You know, what matters most. You don't probably need that stuff anyway to make you happy. Um, and that's why it seems like used car sales are, are at an all-time high now. Can you believe what they're charging for used cars? I never saw a used car appreciate before. But now they are. It's like, buy it if you buy it low, you can sell it high. It's like, that is bizarre to me, but it's, uh, it happens. But to keep the uh, present economy of the world going, it's continuously telling us we need an upgrade. You need, you need that upgrade. <laughs> Get the latest thing, latest gadget, latest fashions. And the newest edition was 0% interest for 24 to 48 months. You know, easy payments. Very easy payments. So what did Solomon say about that? Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 says, Those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. Again, Solomon was, you know, it cracks me up that God said he would be the wisest man. And he did. He wrote a lot of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And, and he was a very wise man. But why did he have so many wives and concubines? 700 wives and, you know, 300 concubines. I'm like, get a clue, dude. <laughs> he was not satisfied, right? Not satisfied. The guys, that's probably how he wrote this. He goes, yeah, I thought women would bring me happiness, but guess what? I keep getting another one, and they just turn out the same way. <laughs> it's like, same thing with guys. I know, guys never satisfy the, the gal either, but... Um, but many who are wealthy in this world know money cannot buy happiness. They find that out or else they just say, well, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. I just need that. Maybe another few billion dollars and I'll be happy. What then is the secret to true satisfaction? Well, the Bible talks about that. That's where I'm going to get to this Hungering and thirsting for God. And it says in Psalm 37, you probably have quoted this one a time or two. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord first, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes we just take the, read the last part. God wants to give me all the desires of my heart. Like, well, don't forget the first part of that verse. <laughs> Take delight in the Lord and, and hunger and thirst for him. And then he will bless you. He will, he will actually not just give you the desires of your own selfish desires. I want another billion dollars. Probably God's not going to give you the billion dollars. 
But at the same time, he gives you the satisfaction of who he is and, and finding true happiness in there. He will give you the desires of your heart. And, and there are certainly things God wants to bless you, and he wants to give He knows the desires that you have in your heart. Seek your satisfaction in the Lord. Seek your happiness in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The world tells us to do what makes you feel happy. But satisfaction is not about your happiness that you seek. We seek after God, and then he starts to change you. He starts to even change you and your desires for his desires. And really, it says, ask and you will receive. It isn't just, again, asking just with my selfish motives. James talks about that. You have, you, you want, and you, and you don't get because you have the wrong motives when we ask. God wants to give you his desires and his motives, and he changes it in, in that way. But if you make happiness your goal in life, you're going to miss it. You don't just find it um, seeking for your own pleasure. But there is blessedness. There is so much more joy in not receiving. God's economy is so flipped the opposite of, of the world's economy. It is better to give than to receive. That, that just seems so weird, right? But as you give... You can never outgive God because he goes, okay, I saw you gave, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to meet that need. And he does all the time. Sometimes people make up these so-called scripture verses and say, God just wants me to be happy. I'm like, where is that verse in the Bible? <laughs> I don't know if he... He doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to be satisfied. But it's not true that God just wants you to be happy all the time in that sense of your own selfish desire. God just wants me to be happy. And some people have used that excuse with me before in, in, in that, you know, I divorced my husband or I divorced my wife because I just wanted to be happy. And God wants me to be happy. So I divorced her, you know, it's just like, huh? <laughs> that, that's not biblical. That's not even remotely biblical. But um, so we, we look to a lot of other things to find satisfaction. We look and then, you know, sometimes we, we say, well, I'll, I'll try God. I'll give him a trial. Maybe I'll find happiness there. Um, well, you can certainly try God, but God wants to be more than just a sample. He wants to be more than just a sample where we try it like Costco samples, you know. God wants your whole heart, not just a part of it. He wants your whole heart. How do you experience real satisfaction? Well, first of all, I need to discover my real hunger. I need to know what that that comes from what is the real hunger and what is missing in life what is not there a lot of people don't really know what they want in life I don't know what I want ask a college student they, they change their 
major 20 times, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, the Bible says we are spiritual beings, and God created us. He created us to know him, to love him, to be loved by him, and to receive his love, that we would desire him. Nothing else can take that place. There is no substitute. You need to recognize your real hunger. What is that? My real hunger in my life. Your hunger is that you are a spiritual being and you have a need in your life. And the sooner you recognize that, the better. Because he is the one that fills that need in your life. How does God give you a hunger for himself? Well, looking about looking to the Israelites. In Deuteronomy, Moses said, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you by your ancestors. And he did it to teach you that people need more than bread for their life. Real life comes by feeding on every word of the Lord. That's a really interesting thing in, in that scripture in Deuteronomy. God let the children of Israel become hungry. He let them go through a period of trials. God doesn't tempt you, but he certainly gives us trials in life. What is the trial for? Why does God give us trials? Well, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. There's a lot of things that he does trials to try to show us that we need him. Just like the Israelites did. Uh, in the wilderness, there were no fast food joints, Taco Bell, Subways. There was nothing like that. There were no government handouts or bailouts. God wanted to show them they needed me. They needed him. God sometimes wants to get our attention to show us that we need him. We don't, we forget. We forget and God might just let you experience a trial. It might be an experiencing even a, a, a hardship or a hunger in you. In the natural, because he wants you to see your need in the, in the spiritual as well. Have you had that happen in your life where you, he took you through a period of time where it showed you that you needed God? Maybe we need to listen to the, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. We need to pay attention to that. Pleasure, possessions, performance, those things don't do it. It is only he who will satisfy it. And that God-shaped void that only he can fill in us, he said, Happy are the hungry. Happy are those who are hungry, who are, who are destitute, who are, are starving, if you will. I'm starving for more of God. Right? God is ready to do something in your life. And, and notice it says, in, back in Deuteronomy, it says, God humbled you. He took them to that place of humility, of going, you know what? I have nothing. I have nothing. And, and even that song we sang, that last song, just like, I have nothing. All that I have is a hallelujah. You know, that humility, that place of like, I have nothing yet to bring, but just 
Thank you. Thank you, God. Oh, you know, a homeless man on the streets doesn't usually care for, you know, nice china and, and you know, nice uh, uh, cloth napkins and stuff, something like that. They don't care about, you know, making, making it look special. I mean, it might be nice, but they just care that I need something to eat right now. I need something to eat. I'm starving. I'm hungry. Hungry is painful, but it can motivate us. He says, you know, if you got a problem, that's not always bad. That's not always a bad thing. It just shows us, God, I need you in the good times and I need you in the bad times. I need you every day. God wants you to recognize your real hunger is him, to know him. Another thing is that we need to uh, stop eating junk food. <laughs> stop eating junk food or uh, looking for a substitute, looking for a counterfeit. You see, Satan, he has never created anything. Satan will never create anything. He only counterfeits what God has created. He only gives us a substitute. Try this instead. Try this instead of God. And so we a lot of times fall into that temptation. We give in to those substitutes or counterfeits of what God has given. Now the older you get, the more you discover the effects of only eating junk food. <laughs> right? Sometimes I'm just hungry and I go get fast food and I'm like, oh, ow. <laughs> Why did I do that? It just doesn't sit well, right? It doesn't sit well, but we need to stop eating spiritual junk food as well. That means stop doing things in life that just won't satisfy you, that doesn't meet that need. Isaiah said this. He said in Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, he said, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine and milk. It's all free. Why do you spend money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen, I will tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. When Isaiah prophesied that, you know, uh, God is saying through that, Quit wasting your time and your money on things that won't satisfy. Quit wasting your time on those things. What you're really looking for, God says, is me. Food for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Food for your soul. God wants to show you that. That's what you need. Of course he knows what you need. God knows what each of us need. There's a lot of junk food out there. There's a lot of junk out there, a lot of false uh, promises. There's a lot of things that will try to meet that and satisfy you, but they're just not going to cut it. They're just not going to meet that desire. Spiritual junk food. So you need to know the difference, and the difference between being filled and the difference between and, and satisfaction. There's a lot of things in this world that uh, amuse us, our, our amusement, uh, 
to give us that pleasure. Uh, there's a lot of amusement in our world, such as Disneyland or, or locally here, uh, Silverwood. Uh, things like going to, on a trip to Las Vegas or going on a, a dream vacation. They're, they're fun for the moment. Again, they're not all bad. But it's interesting if you ever look up the, the meaning of amusement. Um, it can mean having fun. It can mean having laughter. Uh, that's what amusement can be. But it also means putting your brain aside. It actually means, biblically, it can mean that you are uh, putting your thoughts aside and being blinded, if you will, for, because I'm just like, and, and probably you're blind because of what you're paying for those, that food at the amusement park. That $7 cup of, of coffee or whatever they serve you at, a, have you been to an amusement park lately? And you're going... I don't care what it costs. I'll just pay for it anyway because I'm, I'm thirsty. I, I'm, I'm hungry, and I, I'm going to pay that $25 for a hamburger at Disneyland. And you're going, I have to be completely brainless to do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> because you're being amused. But from going from pleasure to pleasure or, or thrill to thrill and thinking this is going to be the answer to my life, uh, this is what's going to make me satisfied, and it doesn't last, it's all just temporary. It's just a temporary fix. It's interesting that our appetites are influenced by those we associate with. When you get around people hungry for God, for example, it starts to influence you. That's why I like church. That's why I don't like missing church. Because when I go, I mean, I'm just like, ah, there's something missing in my life. There's something, you know, I'm missing you guys. I'm missing being together with common people that want to seek God, that want to worship God. And they're just like, yes, this is fulfilling. This is, we're all seeking God together. And it influences us. But often, whoever you hang out with is that which you become hungry for. And if you have an appetite for godly things, get around people who are hungry for God and have that godly appetite because that's contagious as well. Spiritual hunger is contagious. And I want to be, hopefully I can be an example of that to someone and you can be an example. To, you could represent well what it is to seek after God and to find satisfaction. And people wonder about what you got and what they're missing. I need that too. Do you want to be more hungry for the things of God? I do, always. I never want that satisfaction, uh, that desire rather taken away from me. So I want to stay around people that are hungry for God. Because if, if I'm only around people eating junk food, then, then we're all going to pay for it later. But it, it temporarily fills, but it doesn't satisfy. Spiritual hunger is contagious, so get around people that hunger after the Lord. Because, you know, garbage in, garbage out. But, but life in, life will be produced and flow out of you.
rivers of living water. And that leads to this, that we find satisfaction in Jesus. That's where we truly find our satisfaction. In John 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me, he will never be thirsty. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So Jesus is talking about himself. I am that bread. I am that source of life. I am your daily bread. Seek after me. Physical bread is, is you know, one of the basic essentials of life. Um, water and, and bread, if you ate that the rest of your life, you'd probably be thinner. But you'd also be able to live off of that, literally off of bread and water. Jesus said, I am it. I am that bread. I am that, that life. I'm it. If you really live... The meaning of life is, is me. I am that source of life. But he also said more than that. He said, come to me all who are thirsty as well. I can meet your need. What Everything else you're looking for, I am the bread of life. I am the essential. You and me, but you can't do anything without me. Apart from me, you can't do anything. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, he also says this. He said, um, he was talking about don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about those things. But he said, what, what did he say in verse 33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. Same thing we're talking about, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And then, guess what? I will take care of all your needs. Hmm. Do we trust that? Do we believe that? There it is again. Seek first his kingdom. That meaning, I want to seek your presence. I want you to, to be my king. I want you to rule and reign in my life. Your kingdom power. I want you to be all powerful in me and less of me and more of you. He will take care of your needs. It's amazing. It's true. It's amazing. But we have to come to that realization. We have to come to that point of need where we start to see it. We start to recognize that in our life. And then Share that testimony when it happens. Some of the present New Age teachings we hear in society is find satisfaction in yourself, you know. Uh, find happiness within. And when you're physically hungry, you'll tell your stomach, go feed yourself. Well, that won't do, right? <laughs> go feed yourself, you know. Um, unless that's what we tell our kids, you know, once in a while. No, go get it yourself. <laughs> but that's a little different than what I'm talking about. It's that you can't just fill that spiritual need in your life yourself. Find satisfaction in yourself. There is a spiritual void, again, in your life that only he can meet that need. You can't say to yourself, be your own God. That just leaves you as empty as you were before. You have to, be, you have to go to an outside source. And that outside source is God, who made you, he created you with that, that God-shaped void that only he can fill. Jesus said to the woman on the well, at the well, he said in John 4, whoever drinks of this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the, the living water I give will never be thirsty. It will become in him a spring of living water. And she's like, 
Please give me that. I don't want to come to this well anymore. I want it now so I don't have to keep coming here and, you know, reeling up the pail every, every day. You go, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something spiritual here. That I am the living water. I am the source of everything that you need. Now, water is even more important than food. You can live over a month without food, believe it or not. <laughs> but you can't go more than three days without some hydration, especially when it's hot out. About 70% of your body is water. Every cell in your body needs uh, fluid. You need water to survive. You can't live without it. So Jesus is saying, it's more than you want in me. You need me. You need me in thirst, hunger and thirst for me. You need me to survive. You need everything that I'm, I'm saying. I am that living water. I am your bread and your water. And I made you and you can't possibly make it without me. So that's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Hungering and thirsting for his presence. That when you are thirsty, the cost is immaterial most of the time, right? Just like I said, at, at an amusement park, you're going to pay that stupid amount of money to get that. It doesn't matter what it costs. You just have to have it. I have to have this something to... To quench my thirst right now. I like this psalm, Psalm uh, 42. This is a, a great reminder to us about this. Is that as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul longs after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? And even that scripture, if you read in, in later on in that, that chapter, it's talking about why so downcast, oh my soul. It's talking about he had been a, a period of depression. He says, I used to lead the procession to, the, to the, the, the temple. I used to do that. Somewhere along the line, he got hurt. Somewhere along the line, he got disappointed and uh, kind of fell away from God. He said, you know what? I need to get back where I need to be. I need to find what I lost. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. So he's kind of speaking to himself in that psalm. Put yourself in hope in God. Get back to where you need to be. If you've distanced yourself from the life source, get back that hope again. Get back to where you need to be. This is what it means to hunger and thirst for God. They're really... You might say there are three stages in looking for God. Might be that I recognize I need God or I want God. I need God in my life. And then I have to have God in my life. I want God. I need God. I have to have God in my life. I hope you're at that have to have God in your life part of your life. I can't make it without him. He made me. He made me with this uh, desperate need in my life, this emptiness. And I want to know the answers of the questions in life, even some of the basic questions in life. And people are there. What, 
what am I, and who am I, and why am I here? What is the purpose of life, and who is God, and what's going to happen? And those are really gut-level questions to ask. I don't know if you've thought those through very much. Sometimes we're on the brink of death, you think about those. Sometimes when you're at that point of, of life and you've tried other things and then you're at that point, maybe even close to your deathbed and you're just like, man, I tried other things and they just don't satisfy. I don't know how many people you've ever visited on their deathbed, but I've never found someone saying, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have worked more in my life. I wish I would have got more money. Usually it's that they recognize the very things that matter, and that's God. It's also relationships with people. And they just wish they had more time to try and do it all over again. Sometimes they wish they would have had a little more faith in their life, taken a few more risks in their life. What really matters? What really matters? Hunger to know God. That's what it means to hunger for and thirst for God. I've got to have him in my life. I want to know him. I, w- I want to know why in the world I was put on this planet. And where am I going when it's all over? John 7, Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. You know, the, the words in there, you, you circle the words in that scripture, come and believe and drink. Come to him, but believe and take what he's given you. Receive from him. Your appetite cannot be filled until you do something about it. You know, we can put on a spread, we can give... And he has, he gives us and offers to us. And he says, even in Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens to me, I will come in and I will sup with you. He wasn't, a lot of times we use that as a coming to Jesus uh, scripture, as a salvation scripture, and it can certainly apply to that. But it's actually written to believers that are keeping the door closed and keeping Jesus on the outside knocking. He's knocking and he's saying, I'm right here. I will come in and I will eat with you. But sometimes we leave him on the outside. Saying, I will come in if you let me. I will, you'll find satisfaction in me. You will find everything that you need. Come and eat. Come and drink of him. And even when Jesus was saying, uh, talking about his, his broken body, he said, if you, he said in John chapter 6, you need to uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the people were like, ah, cannibalism? I don't think so. I'm out of here. He's like, no, he's not talking about that. He's talking about you need to all of me. You need to take from me. There's that, that spiritual aspect of that song. And so, again, Jesus said to the woman on the well, whoever drinks this water will never be thirsty again. 
there might be someone here today that has never done that. Have you realized there's something missing in your life? Or perhaps someone watching on our, our online today. Well, that's an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to him, to come to that point in your life where you recognize that I've tried other things and they just don't measure up. He's coming saying, you will be filled. I will fill you. And seeking after that presence, and, and I do. You know what? There is part of me that, that I'm always seeking for more of God. And he will always keep on giving you more. He will show you more. Blow your mind and give you that, wow, God, that is so cool. What I love about reading the Word, and I always recommend reading the Bible every day, because it's our life source. When you read it, this is His Word speaking into your soul. And there's, there's a lot of, there's a difference between preaching a sermon or, or preaching at someone. Because it's easy just to read the words off of this Bible, out of this Bible and just preach at people. And you need to do that and you need to stop doing that and go. But it's different when you actually take these words into your soul first. And it start, start living it yourself. And then you speak out of a heart of one that's been there, done that, experienced it. I've experienced God's presence. And I hope that... I'm not just preaching at people, but I'm actually relating a life that has been changed by Jesus. Same thing with you, that you're, you're a life that has been changed by Jesus, and people see that, that you're not just preaching at people to stop doing that and start doing that. That's just religion. But one that would just actually communicate through your testimony, like, you got something that I'm missing. I'm missing in life. I need that too. I need Jesus like that. There's others in this room that have taken that step before. You've come to Jesus. You've believed in Jesus. He's made a difference in your life. You've hungered after Jesus and you haven't quit. I made a commitment to follow Jesus. Started when I was six years old watching Billy Graham with my mother. Six years old, and I'll remember that day. I remember six years old watching Billy Graham, and she led me to Jesus. Now, I didn't walk in that until I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, being what teenagers are sometimes, and stubborn and, and uh, difficult, and I was that, that my mom saw something. She had a, a, a passion for Jesus and a love for Jesus, and she came to that point in her own life where she knew Jesus and she goes, Greg, I want you to know Jesus like, like I have. I want you to know that. And so she tried to get me to realize that. And I'm like, yeah, mom, get away. Mom, I don't want that. And, and she paid for my way to go to these youth retreats and, and I refused her multiple times and then I finally went and I'm so thankful I did because it was literally, and that's why I believe in youth retreats. I love them, like the, the winter retreat they're going to go to. I love them because that's really what started my walk with Jesus, my true walk with Jesus. And that's where I came to know and I came to worship him for the first time. 
Do you remember that time? Do you remember that time where you finally disconnected with God and, and you just started, the Bible started making sense. The Holy Spirit started opening your eyes and, and you were free to worship. And, and sometimes even people want to dance before the Lord. And, you know, it's just like, wow. But I can remember the very first time I went into a, a four-square church, it was, and I grew up in a, a way more conservative church, and I, I went there for the first time, and I saw someone raising their hands, and I'm like, what are they doing? What are they doing? But you know what? My soul was drawn to that. My soul was drawn in the sense that, what are they doing? They're not just holding their hymnal. And they're not just saying the words, you know, the first stanza, second stanza, you know, nothing wrong with the hymn. But they're, that's all I knew up to that point, was just singing those hymns and just repeating the words. And I wasn't connecting with God whatsoever. But the moment I was actually able to go, they got something that I don't. What's missing? They got a connection with God. And I remember, again, back to my teenage, uh, that teenage moment, I think it was maybe 13 to 15 years old, when I went to that, and I saw my own peers. I saw probably a cute girl. <laughs> it was probably a cute girl, but I'm like, what is she doing? She's raising her hands to Jesus and, and worshiping him. And I'm like, they got something. They got something, and, and it's... Then the hunger grew in me to seek after that. And that's where the Holy Spirit, I was baptized with the Holy Ghost that weekend. And uh, I've never looked back. I've never looked back in that. The fact is, you are as close to God as you want to be. I can't blame that on anybody else. If you're not close to God, it's not God's fault. Now, some people can play into that because if that's what a Christian is supposed to look like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I've, again, I'm sorry that we've, Christians have misrepresented God so poorly at times. I've apologized for being the wrong misrepresentation of God's love too. Maybe we all need to do that. Y'all need to get up here and take the mic and apologize for something. This, but it basically comes down to this. It's not other people's fault. It's not my wife's fault. It's not my husband's fault. It's not my, my children's fault. It's not my parents' fault. I'm as close to God, ultimately, when it boils down to it, as I choose to be. If you, want, if you don't know God in, the, in its fullest, it's because I, at that point I've chosen not to go any further. But he works in our lives according to the desires we hunger for. And he wants us to hunger for him. More than just an appetizer, maybe along the way you've, you've lost that desire. You just need to have a hunger, but it's, it's faded away. And so when you lose your appetite, it usually signifies an illness, right? There's, there's an illness somewhere there. I, I don't have an appetite. I, 
I believe it's no different than our spiritual life. What caused that in you? Maybe you need to replay that and go back to that. That caused that hurt in my life. Maybe it would be I need to forgive those people. Maybe they've never apologized even to you. But I forgive them regardless. Because it's hung me up. It's held me back. He wants to remove any roots that choke out your desire for God. Some of you just need to examine what's in your life that possibly choking him out. Just ask him and he'll tell you. He'll show that to you. What is it that chokes God out of my life? Most likely you already know what it is. It's not too hard to figure out. If you'd like to just, as we close today, if you'd like to just pray with me, I'll, I'll lead you in this prayer that we can pray together. Dear Jesus, I don't understand it all. I just want to come to you. I want to believe in you. I want to drink from you. I don't understand it all. But I come back to you. I've tried other things. Pleasures of the world that didn't last. And I choose to believe in you. I accept your grace. I believe what you did on the cross for me. That you died for my sins. You were buried. And you rose again. And you offer to me your grace and mercy. To forgive me. And then to satisfy my every need. I choose now to walk in what you desire for me and to live for righteousness and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live for you and that people may see you in me and I may become like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, if it's a prayer simply like that, and if you confess that yourself, for the first time, you could say, I'm a new person. I'm a new creature in Christ. If this is a renewal for you, amen. Amen. This is a, a fresh new start, a day to say yes, and I am choosing to walk in that and other, instead of other things because they won't satisfy, but he will. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I pray that you'll be safe out there on the roads. Um, and we will see you again next week. Yeah, ladies Bible study on the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to be going through what we're talking about Sunday mornings. You're working all things out. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.